How to Tell Stories to Children is a bi-weekly podcast exploring the science and methodology of storytelling. I am Silke Rose West. And I am Joseph Saracy. We are the authors of How to Tell Stories to Children. Our goal is to foster diverse storytelling by helping individuals like you awaken to the storyteller within. We appreciate your support. You can find our children's stories, exclusive tutorials, live Q&As, and more benefits on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash howtotellstoriestochildren or by visiting our website at howtotellstoriestochildren.com. Help us spread the love of storytelling by becoming a patron today. Hi, Soka. Good morning. Good morning, Joe. You mentioned something the other day that I thought was worth exploring. With COVID and traveling restrictions, many of us aren't seeing our family members as much, especially those who live far away. You suggested that storytelling is a way to bridge that distance, and I I wonder if you can flesh that out a bit for us. Thanks for asking. I'm from Germany, and I raised both of my daughters here in the U.S., and for me it was always very important that they would keep uh, have a connection to their grandparents. One way I did it is I taught them my native language, but uh, that probably would not have been enough to create a connection. I realized that I had to tell stories, and that was also a time when you didn't call on the phone so much or you didn't have Zoom and Skype. And yet I think even if you have those tools available, there is something in the storytelling that uh, creates this heart connection. And it's the parent that could create the connection to distant relatives, uh, someone you can't see, but you just so would wish to see them. And so storytelling in that way that we connect to those people that we feel like this is a family member that I want my child to be close to. We come to that place of thinking, okay, what story would I like to share with my child about grandma so my child feels like grandma is in the room? Okay, can I can I respond to that? Yes, please. I, th- I think that something that we talk about a lot is how when you tell a child a story, it's very common for the child after the fact to take on that story and play it out. And one of the most common examples we see is movies, right? When you watch Spider-Man or something, little boys are all running around being Spider-Man. So that's an easy one for us to grasp. And I think you and I, and many other people, of course, have experienced that when you tell an original story of your own, how the kids run off and act that story out. And this is powerful aspect of storytelling. And what I hear you saying a little bit now is saying, we're, we're kind of using that same model and applying it to our own family. So we're, we're telling a story about a family member that a child then takes in for themselves so that they're walking around kind of living and breathing that story a bit. Sure, that's fair. And you can see oftentimes little girls will take their dolls and they will set them up and they create families. And then all of a sudden you see that there is uh, there is a grandma in the family. 
and oftentimes after storytelling that will come out. And with boys, that can take place too, uh, that they would take toys or something and all of a sudden this tractor belongs to grandpa. This truck over here is my uncle's and I have a skateboard for, you know, brother Lou. So boys play it oftentimes out in a little different way, but it can be shown in play and for example one of my oldest daughters she created this penguin family and they were 142 penguins and they were all interrelated they were all like cousins great cousins uncles they all had names and I believe that was encouraged through my storytelling about family and yet we lived all alone in the desert with just a small family of four yeah you know another thing that comes up to me as we speak is that there's all this research out there about how telling family stories is really empowering for children and that children who hear stories about their family, their ancestors, it helps them feel grounded in their life. It helps them kind of place themselves a little bit. Those that don't, that feel disconnected to their ancestors and their families, and they um, frequently have less self-esteem and it's almost as if they don't know who they are in life. Yeah, that's very related. The way when we tell stories and we tell them from a place of love, there is this sense of like, oh, I would love to surround my child with these beautiful family members. They can't be here. I used to play with them in the summer by the beach and we had a family house I wish I could give this to my child, but the only way I could actually bring it into the life of my child right now is by telling her stories about that place. Mm -hmm. And so even the place, there's a rootedness in describing a place. There's a feeling I belong. Mm -hmm. And so the child feels like I belong in this circle of family and that's beautiful. It's a big magical circle. Even they are not right here, but I know whenever I want to go and visit, they will open the doors for me. <laughs> it's this knowing I belong. Mm, yeah, that's beautiful. That sense of belonging. And as you were speaking that, I was thinking of another example of a child you and I both know whose uh, grandfather is a fisherman. Mm -hmm. And I remember when he got one of those little kitty fishing rods, mm -hmm. you know, very simple thing with just, a, there's no hook on it even, just a waiter. And because he was told the story about grandpa and fishing, boy, did he drag that thing around. It, was, it seemed like it was months. And everywhere he'd go, he would play with it. And yet there was always this sense of grandpa being there with him. You know, probably that only got introduced as a story or um, once or twice. Anyways, just thinking of a way that, that boys bring that into their play, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think when you think about the fisherman who stands so quiet on the shore and is so content, it's one thing for a grown man, but when a little boy stands there and feels the presence of grandpa behind him, there is something that calms that child down and that makes that child feel like there's a hero and yeah. that hero is right next to me and that hero is my family. Yeah. You know, and so while the child might wear a Spider-Man cape because it was inspired by watching Spider-Man, feeling grandpa right there is probably something that there, there's some truth to it that the child can pick up on. Yeah. And that's an interesting 
thing too, because I see this a lot as a teacher. Kids love superheroes of all kinds, right? But kids also love the superheroes of their own parents and their own family. Like when strong, tough guy things come up, it's very common for the kids, boys and girls alike, to talk about how, oh, my dad, boy, he knows how to split firewood. Oh, oh, well, you know, my mom can, and all these things. And so what we're kind of getting at is how we're using storytelling to bring that sense of my own family, my now distant relatives, because I can't travel and see them. These are the kind of superheroes in my life, and I feel them in my activities and the play in my day. Yeah. I would also like to say Steve Bidolf, um, who wrote uh, Raising Men, uh, Raising Boys. Raising Men. <laughs> <laughs> well, he actually wrote a yeah, book. Yeah, I mean, on, he should. He wrote a book on manhood. Yeah. And he spoke about the relationship of boys to their father. But let's say a father isn't present. Let's say a father died, or, you know, or the child doesn't know its father. It would be very important for the child to find a male figure in the family circle that is a strong example of a healthy, strong male mm -hmm. and to create that connecting bond. And so the child identifies with a strong and healthy male within its own family circle. And if they live far away, bring stories about their strengths, that real beautiful masculine strength that the child can identify with the hero in the family circle. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they might look later on, especially during teenager years, for these heroes in violent behaviors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, earlier, before we began, you had some ideas about how to structure that a little bit. So maybe I might ask, could you help us understand how we might create or engage in that storytelling about these family members who are maybe not able to be with us? So let's say you have a brother and you would like for your child to have a relationship to this uncle. And yet the uncle lives far away. And so first, you would have to go within yourself and say, why do I want my child to connect with my brother? What would I like my child to hear? What stories could I share with her or him that would allow my child to feel this heart connection and sense of pride? Oh, this is my uncle. Mm -hmm. You wouldn't believe it. My uncle, he drove all the way through the desert of Africa on a motorbike to help whatever, this organization. It's actually a true story. So that's what I told my daughter, for example, about my brother. And so then I have to also come into a place of how can the child relate to the place of where my brother is versus where I am? How do we connect? So, for example, we live in the desert. He drove his motorbike through the desert. You could also bring it into a place of, let's go down to the river. I'll tell you about Grandpa, who was a fisherman. In the moment, you're bringing in these places of your own river and then the river that flows where Grandpa lives, who is so far, far away, the river becomes your connecting place. Mm. 
or a mountain, or it could be the kitchen where you tell the story about grandma who mm. is making dumplings. And you can smell those dumplings in your own imagination if you allow yourself to go there. And once you can smell those dumplings or see the fish in the stream, you can bring that into your story so that your story comes alive. Now, you might say, Silke, that's a little bit too far-fetched. And then I would say, well, maybe you need to find the dumpling recipe and bake the dumplings. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think what you're picking up on is what we often call the storytelling loop. Yeah. You're talking about tying in something real yeah. into your story, even when it's a story about your family member, something that happened elsewhere, but it's either a place, which might just be a kitchen. A kitchen is a place, or a river is a place, or it might be this specific recipe, or it might be this activity. You're tying in this real thing so that the child is also experiencing that and goes, oh, I know what that's like, but then also tying it into this story with their family member. Right. Now, if you do have a situation where you want to create a connection with someone who has crossed over, who is not alive anymore, you can do that as well. But then I would use images like the rainbow bridge. I would use images like the stars at night and looking into the distance and picturing that human being on the other side, polishing the star, looking down to earth. Let me tell you about your daddy who is on the other side. You can use then story also not just bridge the connection, the distance here on earth, but also to people that have died. Or perhaps the grandma that died during COVID in a nursing home and there was no chance to say goodbye. And now you are using a story to create that bridge. So there is this possibility to come to a closure. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. What else? Could we be working on these other practical elements? I would anchor the story, and that's what you would call the real thing. And so anchoring could be that, let's say you tell the story about grandma making dumplings in the kitchen, and then to find the dumpling recipe and to make the dumplings. Or after you tell the story about grandpa uh, who caught this gigantic, gigantic fish one time and you were a little boy and you were with him it was this big rainbow trout let's go down to the river and maybe we will find one too so you're tying an activity into the story afterwards that also helps to feel like i'm playing it out in my own life and you can do that with your child yeah you know mm -hmm. if you tell the story in the evening like stories about people who have died, they would probably be more in the evening. I would light a candle and then I would just send best wishes, you know, or I love you all the time. I would come to a sense of closure at the end of the day when I tell the story. So anchoring in the day, I would do more through activity. Anchoring the story at night would be more through lighting a candle and then blowing out the candle and saying a prayer or making a wish for us to be connected. Okay, earlier you spoke about how sometimes we might tell a story and there might be a messenger in the story. You had yes. mentioned something mm -hmm. about birds or you, I mean, right. you mentioned stars or angels or things like this. And these are another way to connect. Mm -hmm. Sure. 
So let's say we have a grandpa that lives far away and he is into birding. He loves to watch birds and uh, we know that. And so maybe we're going to go and we'll look for a little sparrow. And look, there's the little sparrow right at our feeder. And that little sparrow will carry the message to grandpa. Well, but what if that birdie flies all the way to grandpa and it sees him sitting in the bushes watching? Oh, how is that little birdie going to let him know that it's a messenger from us? I think I have an idea. Let's give that little bird a red ribbon and maybe make it a little gnomey hat. Even just in our imagination, but when Grandpa sees it, he's sitting in the bush and he's watching the birds. All of a sudden, he sees a bird that wears a little gnome hat and has a red ribbon. And, oh my gosh, where did this birdie come from? Oh, it must be for my beloved little granddaughter. She must be thinking about me. Mm. And even I create that picture. I'm not really putting the gnome hat on the bird, but <laughs> I can do that in my story. I can, in my story, make this fantastic outfit. I can have Santa Claus stop by with his sleigh and right. give the little birdie a ride or something. That's really interesting because now you're really tying together this you're telling a real story about this loved one, and yet you're using your imagination to it kind of evolve the story a little bit and create all these connecting points. Yeah, and I think for young children, it's important because reality sometimes is a little bit too, it could become too harsh. When I think of warmth, of like something magical to bring in, especially also think about the time of the year, it's winter time and oh, it's so cold outside and oh, and grandpa is maybe is so lonely and he's crying because he can't see us, but what? What if we sent this little beautiful bird? Mm -hmm. I mean, just the feeling that you're creating through this magical little piece that you throw in. It's like decorating a cake. Instead mm -hmm. of giving you a plain cake, I decorate it. Make it nice. Yeah. Make it beautiful. And then I'll let you know it's just for you. Well, I kind of want to counter that by saying, okay, this all sounds actually magically beautiful. And, uh, you know, the cynical, jaded me <laughs> says, well, all our examples so far, like fishermen and bird watchers and lighting a candle and polishing stars. And those are, that's wonderful. I, I, I do enjoy that. But I'm also gritty. Sometimes when we think of family members, we don't just go to this super warm-hearted, rosy place. Sometimes yeah, it's a gritty, it's a sometimes even heavy place, right? That's the reality. Mm -hmm for many of us. And so, well, what about people like me? Those of us who have a bit of a challenge with our family, we still want that connection. Of course, we taste the sweetness in our family relationships, but we taste the bitterness too. And so how do we go about that? And my grandpa or my dad isn't a fisherman. He's not a bird watcher. In fact, you know, honestly, he sits on the couch a lot and he watches movies. And when, if you go over there, sometimes he's kind of grumpy. So how do I, how do I, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? How do I bring in a story about this that doesn't have these supernatural, beautiful images, but is actually kind of uh, street gritty? Street gritty. Okay. <laughs> all right. First of all, there's this aspect of truth. I would first go to the place of identifying the person that I would like to create the connection with for my child. And then I would picture the place where they are. Let's say they're in an office working on a computer. 
And then I would look for a messenger. It could be a bird or it could be even a little computer elf that yeah. can uh, show up on the screen all of a sudden in the chat box and says, hello, grandpa, how are you today? Hmm. Oh, and all these little chattering things went on on grandpa's computer and he couldn't understand how did that happen. So then creating the image of place, describing that a little bit, describing first the grandpa and maybe what does he look like? What does he wear on that day? Then hmm. I'm finding this messenger that brings him this special message. And maybe I use a bird or I use this invisible gnome that comes up on the computer. And then I create something that is more of an action like maybe in the story, Grandpa is called to the window to look outside and, oh, there will be an airplane that flies by and the airplane has a ribbon and the ribbon that flies behind the airplane in the air says, I love you, Grandpa, and I'm thinking about you. And Grandpa thinks to himself, what strange thing, an airplane that has a ribbon. So now you're bringing this imaginary thing in where you're sending a message. You have to give that message for your child to at one point imitate that. And then there is always the ending to the story where Grandpa go back to the computer and do his work and the airplane has landed. And our story now comes to an end. And perhaps we could write a letter to Grandpa. And when we send it, maybe it will go by airmail and a plane will deliver it to him. Okay. Then if I can recapitulate what I've heard. A, the first thing that we want to identify is why do we want to connect our child with this person? Like, what is it that we really want to connect to? And second, as I think about this person, who maybe we can't visit or we don't see or maybe has died. What are the qualities that I want to bring out in my story? Three, how can I create a connecting point in my child's life now so that there is this kind of anchor? There's this physical resemblance, whether it's fishing at the river and we visit the river or the baking and now we make this thing or the message that travels through the computer and you know maybe the own chirping noises of our phone oh that was so and so different little things like that and then closing with this sense of wrapping ourselves with the love of this being this person yes mm -hmm. do you have any final words I think coming back to this sense of belonging, I have a family I belong to. I think that is an important message for every human being. That story will not only be a gift to your child, but also to you. And then it will be an invisible gift to the person who you spoke about. You don't need to tell grandpa I told a story about you. And if you sit back and you think that somebody would tell a story like that about you somewhere on the distant land, how beautiful that would feel and how warming in your own heart that somebody would sit and share stories about you. For me, that would be meaningful 
and everybody else out there as well for all our listeners. Thank you for listening to How to Tell Stories to Children, a bi-weekly podcast exploring the science and methodology of storytelling from the authors of How to Tell Stories to Children, an acclaimed new book empowering parents across the world. A new edition is due out in over 50 countries from Houghton Mifflin Harcourt in June of 2021. You can find children's stories from Silka Rose West and Joseph Ceresi on our Patreon page at patreon.com slash how to tell stories to children, as well as tutorials, live Q&As, patron perks, and more. Or visit our website at howtotellstoriestochildren.com. A Story Village is a collection of children's stories by Silka Rose West ages three to seven. Joseph Saracy's children's stories, The Storytelling Loop, is for children ages five to ten. Help us spread the love of storytelling by becoming a patron today. <laughs>